0: Hey everybody, what's up? We are back here on the Slamminest Hour of the Cabin Radio Week. It is the Dez Stroh Show. I'm your host, Des Lorene, and today is a very special day. Not only is it Canada Day, not only are we celebrating so much here on this national holiday, but we have a very special guest on the program. I'd like to introduce you to Mitch Clark. Mitch, how are you today?
1: I'm doing well. How are you today?
0: Oh man, I tell you, the weather outside is, uh, it's, it's rainy here actually in Inuvik today, man happens. Yeah, it's, uh, uh it's snow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, the polar bears in the snow took a day off for the rain here, man, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So Canada Day, bro, how are you celebrating today? What's going on?
1: Uh, I, you know, I only had one workout today planned, so that's kind of like, that's, that's rare. And then I'm going to spend time with the family and, uh, you know, just kind of, kind of enjoy the day with relax enjoy being canadian you know all the good stuff
0: and that's what it's about right that's what it's about so man I tell you what's the farthest north you've been in canada
1: uh, i've been to Yellowknife. i was uh my dad used to work up there and then i was supposed to help with a wrestling like a freestyle wrestling trip in uh Equaliet. But uh, I ended up not being able to go because I had another commitment I had to go to, which I kind of regret because the the culture and stuff like that I, I was told is just like amazing and so deep and so cool. So I, I'm kind of sad I missed out on that. So maybe in the future I can I can head up
0: there. Yeah, definitely. And I want to talk to you about that later on in the program here for sure. We've got some stuff brewing up that. Uh, I think might be of interest. Maybe we can get some things working on. But uh, really quickly, though, I want to I want to introduce you. I want to introduce them, the audience, to you as uh, as you know as the the fighter you are, as the, the warrior that you are. So tell us, tell me about your MMA career. When did you get started in in mixed martial arts? Uh,
1: I got started hmm, uh, when the first Ultimate Fighter came out. I uh, I'd already been wrestling with the University of Saskatchewan. Um, as a club athlete, and then because the guys in my weight category were, were like were national team members and world team members, so I knew I wasn't going to be a starter. So I, I wrestled with them, and then I, uh, you know, I'm 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 wrestling, and I kind of get sick of it because I was wrestling at a really low weight class, and I was kind of done cutting mass amounts of weight. I saw the Ultimate Fighter. Uh, Like, the first and second episodes, and I was kind of hooked. I'd always watched, uh, like, The Old Bard and The Ultimate Ultimate and all those old shows. And then, like, hey, I kind of came back. I I got hooked. And then I had, you know, I had three amateur fights. And I think combined, it was less than four minutes of of work, all wins. And then, so I turned pro. I was a pro for 10 years. I went 9-0 before I got called up to the UFC. Lost one. Uh, John Cholish, you know, um, it was kind of uh, like, uh, I learned a lot in that fight. And then I had, a in my second fight, I blew my knee apart, and uh, an avulsion fracture of my kneecap. So that was super fun and lost a split decision, which I still think I won. And then they gave me a third chance and I got a couple big wins and, you know, um, had to change some stuff, and, you know, unfortunately, uh, my career didn't really end the way I wanted to, I, uh, I broke my orbital in my last fight in Edmonton, because, uh, the guy I was fighting uh, head-butted me, and the ref didn't see and it cracked my orbital, I couldn't see out of my left eye, and, you know, uh, the ref stopped the fight, I I would have still, which is, you know, good for him, I would have still kept going, but, you know, um, you know, I, Bittersweet ending, but, you know, I, I did I did a lot of stuff I wasn't supposed to do. I, I think I got a lot farther than I was, you know, quote-unquote supposed to, and, you know, I hit I, a feather in my cap, you know, I something I did, and I said I was going to do it, and, you know, life's pretty good, so I can't complain too much.
0: Oh, man, that's so rad, though. Like That must be so crazy, having to perform at that high level, like at that UFC, like that, that premier event, like that premier level of, of performance must have been just something crazy, man.
1: You know, like performing there is. You know, like it's it's kind of hard to explain. Like you, I'm less than one percent of people who fight make it to the big show, and then you know I'm in 155 is one of the hardest weight classes out there, and you know just due to sheer sure numbers, you know a normal person you know get to about 170, cut the weight, you know it's super, you know all your normal quote unquote normal sized people are at that weight class of 170 in my opinion for athletes and uh so it was an uphill battle you know i beat i beat two really good guys technically three <laughs> so um you know i i it was nothing like it but you know as you're saying you know it must be indescribable but at the same time when you win the 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 feeling you get there's nothing like it you know there's you know, and I think that's why you see a lot of fighters, they keep trying, keep, don't retire,
0: and they uh, they keep chasing the dragon, so to speak. Right. You know,
1: chasing that feeling.
0: Yeah, for sure. So, so I want to talk about that, though, because as soon as I told my bro that I was going to be talking to you, the first thing he does is he just digs into his phone. And I'm like, are you even listening to me anymore? Like, is this registering? And he pulls up this clip. It was that choke he did at UFC 173. And, uh, yeah. man, incredible, dude. Like, that's... Wow, and just super man. Like and this is it. Like I've been a UFC fan, but I've sort of dipped in and out, right? So I'm like things that I yep. miss, things I don't catch. And uh bro, man, that's that's insane to be operating at that level, man. That's nuts.
1: Oh yeah, like uh I think when you're kind of in it, you don't really uh, have that awareness of how you know how kind of cool it is, or how surreal it really is, until you're kind of on the outside looking in. But like I've thought that I got this—I got—I was the first person from Saskatchewan to, to get to the UFC. I was the first one to win in the UFC. I was—you know—I think I was—I think I'm the first fighter to fight in MGM grant. You know what I mean? Like that's super cool, and to get that win uh, against Ally Kintai at, at UFC 173 uh, with—you know—like that's a pretty slick maneuver. Um, that, that kind of like side control roll under Darce. Uh, I call it Jeff Glover Darce. And, you know, like it's super cool. It went really silent uh, when that happened, except for like the 14 Canadians that I brought with me down there. Cause uh, it, you don't, you can't see it or really hear it when you watch that fight. But there was a USA chant going on in between rounds, which kind of like a little, gave me a little bit, a little bit of a spark to get going, kind of like after. It's well, also the one thing I received in the first round and come back you
0: know <laughs> <laughs> right that's awesome man so that's like so that must have been like like you said one of the biggest highlights what's one of the crazier stories you've got from being on the road uh, with MMA uh
1: there's anything involving uh Joe Diesel Riggs is um always an interesting story he is the character He's also Canadian, which I found out when I went down to uh, the MMA lab to trained with them. He's he was born in Quebec City. Um, there's some crazy stories there. Probably my favorite, and I, I tell this one is uh, I went to AKA. I was trying to figure out where to go, kind of like because I I'd take I had to take the, my training to the next level and needed uh, appropriate sparring partners to go with it. And I was at the I was at AKA. And we had really good rounds, all this other stuff. Uh, Daniel Cormier was there. And they were filming a thing. He was still in strike force. He was doing the strike Strikeforce uh, heavyweight tournament. He had Josh Barnett, I think, next. And his weight had been coming down too fast, which I think was, like, the first time ever for him. And, uh, you know, he's, he's like, you know, I got to ask, blah, crazy Bob, what my weight should be, blah, blah, blah. And he goes to go check the weight scale in, in the washroom, in the locker room, which is, like, a true weight scale. And he's like, "No cameras," because they're filming him this whole week. Apparently, to get ready. He's like, "No cameras. Don't follow me. I'm talking to one of the coaches. Me and my buddy Frank uh, Cobb were talking to one of the wrestling coaches about what's going on. And I see this fat little cameraman sprinting like, like if I was running from the cops, like that type of fast, running <laughs> away. And Daniel Cormier chasing him with his dick in his hand, yelling, "I said no cameras." It was. So that's one of my favorite moments, you know. Uh, so <laughs> there's, there's there's other crazy stuff, you know. Usually, the storytelling it's similar to like when I did the I just got back from the Tony Candelo tour, and the best part is is the stories you get to you get to listen to all these people who've been a part of history. You know, uh, it's it's one of those things. that's super cool, just like being able to talk with you know quote-unquote like fighting royalty or wrestling royalty you know people who are legends in, in a sport and you get you get to pick their brains it's, it's really cool and uh i feel really lucky to be able to have experienced a lot of that
0: yeah absolutely man that sounds like you had a great time there that's cool and like you said there's so few people that actually get to that level and to hear that you know just to hear about your experience you can tell it you're very very much appreciated that's rad man so then from your MMA career, then, at what point then? How did that transition into pro wrestling? Was pro wrestling like always there? Have you always been a fan of it?
1: Um, oh yeah, I'd, I'd always been a fan of it. I, was, I, I grew up, you know, uh, you know, loving the Macho Man and Bret Hart and all the classics. And then uh, I was, I was like in the in the late nineties. I was a WCW guy. Um, which is probably more rare than. Than what people expect. Well, everyone was all in in for the Attitude Era, so right. I love WCW and WO that kind of thing. That because it was all the it was all the guys that I loved as a kid, right? Yeah, you know, were, we're over there. They were the ones um, over in in the NWO or WCW. So I really enjoyed that. And you know, I was getting a little bit older. I was wrestling and stuff like that, uh, freestyle. And I had kind of inquired a there was a, a gym that was running in Saskatoon, and they told me I was too small. Um, I'm five eleven, you know. I have a, a large, a decent size frame. I'm not like I'm not I'm not crazy, crazy big or anything like that. I got told I was too small, so I was like, okay, well, I'll just keep wrestling. And then I transitioned to MMA, and then it was after the Joe Duffy fight, and I was just like, you know, i the point where you want to do the things that you want to do, you know, uh, sometimes it's later than than others. And I decided to start uh, inquiring again. And I told I I messaged a famous training academy, and that's probably as far as I'll kind of put it. Yeah, yeah. People know me. Up, more people who have heard heard this story. Know exactly who I'm talking about. But uh, I inquired, and you know, I told me, you know, there's something I'm interested. In, blah blah blah, and, and you know, I'm i to put in whatever work I need to do. And he asked me kind of like how old I was, how how big I was. And then he basically just told me I was too old and uh, too small once again. And uh, I told him, all right, cool, whatever. And then I kind of, as soon as he told me, I put it in the back of my head, kind of like threw it out, I'm, I'm done with this, went to, uh, I had, uh, emailed Adam Pierce as well. I got his number, and he's like, "Go see this guy," and the guy was uh, Sean Dunster. Go ahead and talk to him. And I've been training under Bill LaFon and and him for almost two years now, and I've already made huge strides. I've been doing well. You know, I, uh, you know, it really, it really taught me that a, if you work hard, you can, you can, you do great things. You can surpass what people think. And then also, you know, never be, never, never listen to the naysayers. People have their own weird constructed views of, of what they think others can do. So don't listen to the naysayers. Just keep going, you know.
0: Yeah, exactly, man. That's so rad because, like I said, I'm sort of, that's what I want to build into in a bit here is talking about what we're trying to build here in the north as well. Uh, but before we get into all that, before we just give a little more of a teaser to that, to that um, I want to know because this is interesting to me. Is how did your skills translate from the mixed martial arts and wrestling, like you say, freestyle wrestling, into the world of pro wrestling? Like, was that, like, how did that happen?
1: Um, you know, I, I think that that's what makes it really lucky that I was working with uh, someone like Phil Lafon, who had been all through all Japan, and he had a very shoot style of, of wrestling, you know what I mean? Uh, that Japanese style where, you know, um, if they want to make it real, it becomes real. You know you know what I mean? Yeah, like totally. it, 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 it blurs that line at times. And, uh, so being able to take stuff like that, uh, that Phil would show me and use my own skills. But at the same time, it's, uh, for me now, it's about being able to, to blend the pro wrestling with the shoot stuff back and forth. So that, that's been a big thing is, uh, you know, a, a lot of people know me. I am I'm. mean, I'm, I'm, I'm very quiet. I try to be uh, grounded, very humble as much as possible. But at the same time, I'm, I'm, I'm also kind of shy a lot of the time. Uh, people, when they look at me, I'm usually like a deadpan face, and that's usually because I'm trying to assess the situation. And unfortunately, I come off looking like I'm a dick. <laughs> um, but, you know, so the other aspect that, that I've been really trying to work on is. I'm trying to get better at uh, my promos. My, and and that's the big thing I learned on this Tony tour uh, was being able to interact with the crowd even more. Like, I, I had a lot of local crowd and, you know, uh, the surrounding areas that I've done tours of, they got behind me and stuff like that. But being able to, having to work with a crowd that hadn't seen pro wrestling in, like, 20 years, you know, you basically have to, Educate them on what they're supposed to, uh, their reaction. You're teaching them, you
0: know yeah, what I mean? Like lead them exactly through it, right? This, exactly. So,
1: like, that was a big moment for me. It was kind of like one of those uh, light bulb aha uh-huh moments that kind of went off where I think it it it's going to add even more. Like, in the content, i am never, like, uh, both both Bill and, and, and Matt Damage have both said, hey, I'm not worried about your in-ring stuff. Your in-ring stuff is always good. It's, it's the other stuff that goes into pro wrestling. So because I'm a good athlete, because, you know, I, I'm technical, I know how to do stuff, you know, I'm not ever worried about that. It's about everything else, you know, that goes into that.
0: And that's funny because that's sort of where we're almost polar opposites, where I'm not an athlete. <laughs> I don't have any of that background, but I find myself to be very charismatic and people tell me that, you know, like this is something that I should be doing. Uh, just because of the characters and the sort of like you said, the one thing I did, uh, my first WrestleMania was last year in uh, in New Orleans. I went down to Access and I, I went into their promo booth, and the lady was like, Okay, you know, um, you know, this will be this is how you do it, and don't be nervous. I'm like, Just pass me the microphone, please. Give me the NXT <laughs> backdrop, and let's make some magic here, right? <laughs> so, like, I, I love that. I love that whole aspect of it. So, that was definitely, um, What's leading me into, like I said, the meat and potatoes of what I'm up to is uh, is building this wrestling promotion and becoming a wrestler. Uh, but given my yeah. given my geographical like position here in the north, it's tough because all my life, everybody I grew up with that watched pro wrestling back in the WCW days, the Attitude Era, you know, the Monday Night Wars, uh, we all used yeah. to watch pay per views every week or every every month and watch wrestling every week, and we'd always say, "Oh man, you know, let's go back and we'll throw each other around and." We even got as as um, as coordinated as getting mattresses together and putting, like, a little bit of a league with a belt and stuff like that. Um, <laughs> so it was definitely backyard stuff, but everybody yeah. had that ambition. Everybody wanted to do it, right? Yeah. But because they're, you know, and, of course, you know, like, you, you talk about, um, you know, like, wrestling academies, like, in Calgary, right? The people that, like, yeah. you aim for those. You aim for stuff like that. You want to learn from the professionals, and it's, like, but we – but it's expensive. It costs, like – two thousand dollars to get out of the north you know what i mean so it's 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 just,
1: hum- just to leave your location it costs like two grand let alone exactly. what you're paying to at the academy
0: and, and the accommodations exactly right and then the that disruption in your life like how many people like that's the one thing holding me back and i'm 36 like that's why i've never done it because you yeah. know there's obviously been open spots you know at camps is like i can't take four months off of work right yeah. so it's like it's tough so that's definitely the thing that kept kept a lot of us from doing it So then we finally just said, like, hey, let's just put on a show for fun here. And it was going to be me and my bro, just the two of us. We wrestle each other, very low impact, like really old school stuff. Like we're not looking to hurt each other and and get, you know, that kind of thing. And then we were going to go back and uh, dress up behind the table, commentate and then dub it over the match (laughs) ourselves. (laughs) And then even go as far as to do the pre the pre interviews against each other with each other just like crouch down. So you're a little bit like shorter than the other guy is and put another costume. So we were looking to do a whole thing where it's just like a wrestling show with these two dudes. And then somebody said to us, well, why don't you open it up and see if anybody else wants to. So that's kind of what we're doing now with totally Arctic wrestling is uh, we're having our first meeting on Tuesday night and tomorrow night. Yeah. At the library here just to gauge any public interaction, like interest, you know? Yeah. And uh, we're looking to put on our first show in November Things are coming together pretty fast, actually, because people are very interested in it. Because it's like, "Hey, I'll I'll support this. I'll back this. I'll help you guys out." Yeah. So things are kind of yeah. happening. It's fun, man. It's then you learn it's a real community, you know. Oh, hundred uh,
1: percent. You know, uh, we're we're close to some of the Red Deer guys, and we exchange training tips and stuff like that. And you know, uh, you know, uh, there's been guys in, in different promotions that I've really talked to and really picked their brain. And some of the old school guys, you know. Sergeant Hazard from PWA. He moved to Saskatoon, and I I live in Edmonton. Uh, I always pick his brain. You know, my buddy Ken Lush, and in Vancouver, I he always gives me good tips, good stuff, and he's, they're always positive. If, if you know, if they have they have constructive criticism as opposed to just criticism. And then I also reached out to another guy, uh, Danny Cage at uh, the Monster Factory, and I think it's, it's in Jersey, and he's. Super approachable, and, and he always he's always trying to get me out to do his like weekend seminars to come like come learn come stuff like that. And that might be something that works well for you guys as well as just doing one of those uh, those seminars because it's like a three day thing, and they kind of like they put you through the paces what you need to do, you know. And that that's kind of the, the key, I think. It's same with uh, master does these little mini camps to see if you you know see if someone likes it or whatever, right? And I think that's important because instead of like shelling out. You know, where some of these these uh, academies, like upwards of six grand, um, you know, that's a lot of money all at once. And then, you know, you get two weeks into it and you're like, I
0: hate this. Right. Yeah, hey, no, totally. And that's why we're, working, we're actually working with, uh, with Mad Dog Marty Sugar out of Big West Wrestling oh, awesome. in, in Kelowna. And he's coming up in October with one of his guys to do just that. It's a four-day mini camp we're doing here. So we're going to be charging, you know, participation admission just to give him his, his fees, you know what I mean, to pay for him to come yeah. up here and like, oh, like yeah, i said sure. the one thing we're not trying to do like and we've been very straight about this with everybody we've been approaching is this isn't a money making endeavor for us you know we want to wrestle and whether or not yep. it's in front of anybody then sure you know <laughs> oh yeah
1: totally it's be it's, it's a it's definitely a uh, pursuit of, of passion, passion
0: so yeah. to speak no absolutely absolutely and that's what i wanted to talk to you about too now is because like i am doing this obviously i'm, I'm sort of really comfortable in throwing myself out there and sort of playing with characters and, and laughing around about it and trying more serious stuff. But the physical aspect of it is something that I'm just coming around to now. Whereas like I said, yeah. I'm 36, like I'm out of shape. I don't exercise. So now it's time to really step that around. Right. So what yeah. I want to talk to you about, like, that's what I'm learning now is like terms like planking and you know, like this sort of stuff. So I don't know, man, like what sort of tips could you give out there for somebody like me who is, looking to start like slow, start something like I want to do something that's going to be able to stick. Right. Yeah. um, I'm, I've, I've
1: always been a product of routine. If I, if if I have it in a routine, I'm more likely to do it. You know, I'm, I keep a schedule. uh, I do, I, you know, I, last season I also wrestled for the, the golden bears. You know, I still do jujitsu. If I keep a routine going, that's the key. Consistency is key. You know, we all have, uh, it's always peaks and valleys when you're when you're training or you're working towards something, but the, the key is, like, you put a penny in the bank every day, and it doesn't really matter if it's, like, a really nice penny, like one of those shiny ones or, like, one of those gross old ones with, like, it's got the blue-greeny stuff growing on it, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, it's still a penny, and it still adds up to a dollar at the end, so I think it's, that's really the thing that's important is, is going to be consistency make sure you have a routine and you stick to it you know uh at at the end of the day the only person you're really accountable to is yourself and i find that having a schedule keeps me accountable or making like to-do lists and on every to-do list is i need to work out i need how do i get one percent better and that's the key and it doesn't really matter that like whether it's pro wrestling or it's uh you know, freestyle wrestling or combat sports or cooking or being, you know, just a better a better person. You know what I mean? Consistency is what being one percent better than you were yesterday is always gonna be the key. If you're trying to get into fitness stuff, the keys I think are, are always to build up your general strength. Not not going with all the gimmicky stuff. There's a reason why, you know, strong cores are, are the key, you know, uh, also because you're getting into wrestling, a strong neck is important as well um and then you know your basic lifts they're basic for a reason you know they do everything that that they hit all the big body parts you know so that's my big thing build your basic strength strong neck strong core and then on the other side is uh you know consistency is key
0: that's so rad bro thank you so much man and like i said before um just thank you so much for all the input for sharing all your stories today with us mitch that's been awesome man uh what uh like I said, just happy to have you on the program, bro.
1: Yeah, no problem. I am, I'm glad to do it. I don't, I like it. We were actually discussing this, uh, uh, me and and of well, my coaches were discussing it the other day. It's apparently like some some wrestlers are, don't do these interviews or are hesitant to do it and it's just like, this is an opportunity for me as well, you know. you say it's giving content to you, but at the same time, it's putting me out there. So really, it's a symbiotic relationship. Everyone's. Everyone's better because
0: we do it. And that's what I try to promote it as because like the pro wrestling scene, like as soon as me and my bro have been talking about building TAW here in the north for almost a year. You know, we wanted to make sure stuff was in line before we just went public with it. And I said, as soon as we do, we're gonna be building rebuilding the scene here because like, you know, like you see a society back when pro wrestling was huge in the attitude era days, you know, like you know, we're looking at fifteen almost geez, like twenty years ago now almost, you know what I mean? In that Uh, era. it was massive up here, man. Everybody was watching it. Everybody talked about it. Guys had decals on their trucks, you know, that kind of shit. And that's what we want to do now is we want to build it back. Like And, like, we got a guy here for our show in November. He's a boxer, so we're looking at putting on an exhibition with him, getting him involved in that. And, um, and we're looking at bringing up wrestlers, too. So that's what I want to talk to you about, too, is, you know, down the line, man, like, we're really trying to bring people up here to show that, like, hey, there is an appetite for it.
1: You know, and that's, that's the thing is, um, and that thing I have noticed, too, is sometimes people pigeonhole themselves, like, in, uh, in certain positions instead of, you know, get out of your comfort zone, you know what I mean? Like, up north, uh, winter time is probably not the most comfortable, but, you know, you're going to show a lot of growth, and you're, you're, you know, everyone's helping each other, and, you know, everyone's expanding on this thing that we all love, which is pro wrestling.
0: Exactly, man. Exactly. And that's it. It's just, I'm looking forward to the future of pro wrestling in the north. And thank you so much for your contributions, though, to pro wrestling in Canada in general. And just like I said, MMA, man. Like, I love your work, bro. It's awesome stuff. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Awesome. Okay. Happy Canada Day to you and happy Canada Day to everybody out there listening. You are listening to The Destro Show on Cabin Radio.